from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen. I want to read one portion just above it. If you would read with me from Ephesians 4.20. Ephesians 4.20, I'm reading from the ESV. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to us and speaking to us this morning through song, through your word. We are the children of God. We thank you, Lord. We are vessels. And we pray that God's glory will be manifested through these vessels. And we stand by grace through faith because of the great love and the richness of God's mercy. We ask that you speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. We sang, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Born again into your family. You rescued me. I am child of God. What a privilege this morning to know that we are the children of God. And God's word this morning speaks to us from that very theme, be ye therefore followers of God, imitators of God as dear children. This morning's message is entitled, Who Are You Imitating? Who are you imitating? <clears throat> Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians while in prison. On his third missionary journey, he came to Ephesus and he came to that place and he asked a question. He asked a question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And through that question, the responses gave to Paul, given to Paul, Paul instructed them, baptized them, or I should say rebaptized them. He prayed for them, and then they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and the 12 men that says that they were there, we don't know if it's 
I don't know if it's men being men as plural or men as men, whatever it may be, they all prophesied, and that was the beginning of the church of Ephesus. <clears throat> all started with a question. The question is, have you received the Holy Spirit? A lot of questions are, are asked today. But somehow those type of questions aren't asked too often anymore. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Sometimes when you ask that, people get very offended. People get very offended by that type of a question. Because you, they feel they're put on the spot. But that church began with that question. Which makes us to understand that the foundationally, that the church is the preaching of the gospel. And upon hearing the gospel, there is the preaching of baptism. And upon the preaching of baptism, there is also the question of, we have to receive the Holy Spirit. And foundationally, that is the church that we see drawn out of Ephesus. Ephesus was a very blessed church. They were very gifted to have very godly leaders. Apostle Paul, we understand, stayed there two years and some months. We understand John the Apostle had the precious and wonderful opportunity to be in Ephesus for a long time. So they were very blessed to have some very godly and gifted leaders among them. Because leaders are sent by God. Leaders are appointed by God. And so Paul, Timothy, John the Apostle were all people that God used in Ephesus because it is not man that appoints them. It's the Holy Spirit that appoints them. It's Jesus that appoints them. It's God that appoints them. There is a Trinitarian unity that is brought in the appointment of God's leaders and officers in the church. God, it says in, 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 in Corinthians, it says God said, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. You come to Ephesians and we realize that he gave gifts to men and he, that is Christ, gave them apostles, prophets, Pastors, teachers, evangelists. The second person of the Trinity was involved in the appointment of apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists. I told you that in Corinthians, God said. You come to Acts, and when Paul comes to Ephesus, he says to them, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers of the flock. I am expressing to you this morning that it is the Trinity that is involved in the appointment of God's leaders. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He didn't say he's building your church. He didn't say he's building my church. He said, I am building 
I build, will build my church. And so it is God's leaders that he has set. They are encompassed in the work of the Lord. And as we go through this book of Ephesus, I want to touch on a few themes and then come to the point of where we read this morning. The apostle has, he has masterfully weaved such a powerful epistle for us. It is a master weaving. That if this is a master weaving that people call this the, the queen of the epistles. As you go through the epistle, you see some powerful, powerful prayers in chapter 1 and 3. And you see these magnificent threads of the church, what the church is. And we see that the church is the body of Christ. And we understand that in that thread that Christ is the head of the church. That we are members of his body. We are members of his flesh and of his bones. And he says that the government is for the equipping of the saints. The edifying of the body. That the reconciling of one body by the cross. And that the Gentiles and the Jews are made partakers. One thread. You go to another thread. And then he begins to talk about that the riches of the body of Christ that is available to them. That the riches of the glory of his inheritance. The exceeding riches of his grace. The exceeding riches of his mercy. The unsearchable riches of Christ. That is a thread of itself. You come to another thread. The thread of oneness. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one, <clears throat> one spirit, one body, one faith, one baptism, one new man. Another thread. Another sermon of itself. How about this thread? <clears throat> Heavenly places. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Then he brings Christ who was raised from the dead. And he says, Christ is seated at the heavenly places. Then he comes to the second chapter and he says, not only is Christ seated at the heavenly places, he brings the believer who was dread in his trespasses and sins, but now has been made, brought nigh. And that he is now raised with Christ and seated in the heavenly places. My goodness, you go and you go and you go and you just see threads and threads and threads. The weaving of this. How about this one thing? The thread of God's fullness. Oh my goodness, this is a Trinitarian epistle. Every place you look, every place you see the Father, every place you see the Son, every place you see the Spirit. <clears throat> the fullness. Chapter 1, he comes and he talks about the fullness of God. Then he comes to the measure of the fullness of Christ. And then he says, being full of the Spirit in chapter 5. <clears throat> but this morning, I want to come and bring us <clears throat> to the place where I read, which is be ye followers of God, imitators of God as dear children. <clears throat> imitators of God. Therefore, therefore, be ye imitators of God 
as dear children. When you read that, anytime when you hear and see that conjunction of therefore, you have to hit a pause button. The pause button must be pressed so that you understand to go back and understand and go forward to know that there is something connecting to what he's trying to say. What is that he's trying to say? He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And I want to go there, but give me one second, please. He says, imitators of God as dear children. He's saying, be imitators. And as you read that, within us, there's a struggle to understand. Because the question arises for all of us, how do you imitate God? How does, a f how does, how does this life, how does this life, how in this life, how is it? Uh, how does that work? It looks like a tall order. It looks mind-boggling. And so it is better, it almost seems better, to just keep reading. And he says, but I want to tell you, or I want to share with you, that the words used by the apostle, the words used of scripture, they're not casual in nature. It's not that sometimes they didn't have a better word, and so they just threw a word. The Bible says that every word is God-breathed. Every word is God-breathed. Every word is inspired. And so every word has its own power and significance. And so here Apostle Paul is saying, Be ye imitators of God as dear children. Brothers, for me and you, that is not optional. That is not optional. Rather, if anything, it says B-E. It's a, it's a command that comes forth and says B-E, imitators of God as dear children. All of us have gone through experiences where at some point in our life, we followed something. Or we imitated something. And the best examples that I can think of are our children among us. As they grow up or as they see, it's more evident as you see them. But the reality is that in our life, there are influences that cause us to follow and imitate. And while in Ephesus... Apostle Paul felt the need to express to them, look, I have taught you about Christ. You have learned of me in Christ. This is not the manner of Christ. And so he brings the manner of Christ and he says, be ye followers of God, be ye imitators of God. Because he says to them, there is power in the imitation, or when I say the mimicking, or the Xerox copy of Christ. When we were young, you used to get the copy machine used to be something that we used to say, get a Xerox. Get a Xerox. 
Because at that time, those were the only companies that gave you something close to the original. And so Apostle Paul is saying, here is the Xerox. Here is the original. Here's the real McCoy. Get a copy of the Lord or get a copy of God. You know, as you went through this, the struggle remains. How is that possible? That can't be. It doesn't seem like it's possible. Consider these things, what Jesus says. It is enough that the disciple be like his master. Consider the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, the royal edict. Be therefore perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Understanding the word perfection is not about sinlessness that I'm talking about, but the maturity of what Christ and the word that is used there. How about Apostle Peter when he talks about whereby we are given exceeding great and promise, precious promises that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature of our Lord. Consider the words of Paul in Romans chapter 8 when he says that whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Brothers and sisters, what I am trying to say to you is that imitators of God is a thread in itself that Jesus and the epistles have wound for us together to exemplify, to emulate, to exhibit. And so... Be ye imitators of God helps us to see the principle of godliness. The virtue of godliness. That as I was coming to this meeting this morning, I said and I asked myself, how is that possible as I'm walking? And I said, and the Lord Holy Spirit reminded me, the Lord, when he renewed us that when we were born again we sang that song today that i am a child of god that he didn't say that you will be like an angel and that thought crushed me as i was coming to this world that the lord in his love for us connected us to that very name of god himself to say we are children of God. We are children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called not angels, but we are called children of God. God's not ashamed. God in his love wanted us to connect us to something so precious and so divine that he brought my name and he said to me, Finney, you are a child of God. Put your name there and be strong to know that it is God's love that connected you so that in the great love and mercy, he connected you to have that name of a child of God so that you, when the world sees you, can see you as an imitator of God. 
as a Xerox copy of God. As the person who are the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, you are bringing the very life of Christ to that person beside you. I would want to, I have, I'm running to bring this thought in three ways, and I'm going to close. I pray that you will bear with me. Bear with me because Apostle Paul writes this, therefore, be therefore followers of God, imitators of God. And he threads it, and the, the whole chapter 4 is connected on this therefore. But I want us to consider that one point where I read before, that from the ESV, I'm going to leave it in King James just for the, for the sake of, but you have not so learned Christ. If so, that you have heard him and be taught by him as the truth that is in Jesus. When these people walk, it gives me the shivers. It almost tells me my message is done. <laughs> But help me, and please bear with me to understand this. You are a carbon copy of God. You are an imitator of God. But I want you to know, there was another son of God that lived this earth. And I want to pinpoint to three areas of this son of God. And he says to them, he said, you have not so learned Christ. He says, so he taught them about Jesus. He taught them about Christ. And he exemplified Jesus to them. And this morning from the Gospels, I want to show you three areas of our Lord in which he was a carbon copy of God that the Gospel writer articulates for us. Turn with me, please, to the book of John chapter 6, verse 38. John chapter 6, verse 38. Be imitators of God as dear children. Today, we're now, we're looking at the Son of God, who is an imitator of his God, his Father, and read what John 6, 38 says. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent. The Son of God on this earth, while he lived, the writers of the gospel moved by the Holy Spirit is projecting for us that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that the will of Jesus was demonstrated in the will of the Father. Carbon copy. Imitator. Jesus says the writer John is saying, I'm sorry, he's, he's writing, but he's, Jesus is speaking. He said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. The imitator, Jesus himself, is saying the will of Jesus is the will of the Father. Be therefore imitators of God because the Son of God is also emulating his Father. And so you and I are children and we the Son of God as he emulated the will of the Father. 
John 6, 38. Come with me, please, to John chapter 12, verse 49. The will of Jesus was the will of the Father. John chapter 12, verse 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment of what I should say and what I should speak. Be ye therefore imitators of God, because the Son of God exemplified not only in the will of the Father, but now we see the words, the words of Jesus were not just casual words that he pulled out of his pocket. But John writing remembers the words of our Lord. And he said, the word that I speak unto you, yes, they are spirit and life. But he gave me commandment of what I should say and what I should speak. Be therefore imitators of God. Because the Son of God was one that the will of the Father was exemplified. And now... John is presenting to us and he remembers the words of our Lord and he says the words of Jesus were such that he spoke the words of the Father. Imitating, imitating the Xerox copy of what was spoken. He is, he is speaking. Be ye therefore imitators of God because the Son of God is one that emulated and his Father. The will of Jesus was the will of the Father. The words of Jesus were the words of the Father. <clears throat> Turn with me to John chapter 5. Be therefore imitators of God as dear children. We are now seeing the very Son of God in that he emulated, he exemplified, he exhibited not only the words of Jesus, not only the will of Jesus, John projects another word and he brings it forth so masterfully in verse 17. He says, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Read verse 19 with me. Verily, verily, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. And what things ever he doeth, these also doeth the Son. Jesus was actively moving to perform the works of the Father that he saw. Be therefore imitators of God as dear children, as the dear son of God who emulated in the will of God as the father, as the words of the father. And now John is saying the works of the father was what Jesus was empowered to do. And then the writer, can you see this weave? Can you see the weave? You have not so learned of Christ, but you were taught of him. You were taught of him. Be therefore imitators of God. I have one more thing and I'm done. <laughs> I am, if I feel, if I'm rushing, please forgive me. Paul has this be therefore imitators of God. 
And then he says, walk in love. <laughs> My goodness, that's another theme that's weaved through this entire epistle. I'm not going to go to it right now. Walk in love as Christ also loved us. He's defined for you and for me what love is. It is just not some arbitrary thing of our culture. He's saying, and he's taking us back, and he's saying that in that Christ also loved us, has given himself for us a sweet, for an offering and sacrifice to God. And as he weaves this thing about love, I just want to touch on this point. Turn, look at me, verse 317. 18 and 19, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. This is the, this is the point I want you to see. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge or surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Just Bear with me here. Apostle Paul is talking about the love. And in that love, he says to them that you might know the love of Christ. But then he adds this. He says, it is to surpass. It is to surpass your knowledge. In other words, it is beyond what you are thinking. And when I... He's writing this to them that they may comprehend it. Because it's, it's something that's beyond you. I want to tell you something. How does that happen? How is it that that is something that the Holy Spirit can work within us? How is it? Apostle Paul writes it right there how it happens. I'm going to show you. This is what he did. For I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, it is in this position that the world will know the love of Christ to walk among us. It is only in this bended knee, Apostle Paul writes that portion for us. For this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world can only know the love of Jesus through our bent knee. There's not another position. And so, in that bent position, he understands and receives the love of Christ, and he's able to pray. He's able to pray for 
a people that are so far from him that he sees in the spirit while in prison. He's able to narrate for them and say, for this cause, for this cause, for this cause, I, 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 not my church. He doesn't, he does not, what do you call that? <laughs> he, it is not given to somebody else. It's not outsourced is what I want to say. For this cause, I, I, be ye therefore imitators of God as dear children because you have not so learned of Christ. You know what Christ was. I taught you what Christ was. That Christ lived with the will of the Father in mind. Christ worked with the work of the, with the works of the Father and the words of our Lord were the words of our Father. And so therefore, be ye Therefore, imitators of God as dear children. Only as children can we imitate God. Only as children. You cannot, you cannot be an imitator of God outside that. It is only the Trinity and the work of God in us. The power of the Holy Spirit working in us. It is a supernatural thing that comes within us. To become imitators of God as dear children. May God bless.